Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. Sunday morning, October 30th, I'm going to ask you to be here in person and be here on time. So, as many of you have in your house, we had that door frame where as our kids were growing up, we would stand them against that door frame and mark off how much they were growing and put the dates and their ages next to that. About a year ago, we blew out some walls in our downstairs and with it, that door frame, and we almost drove the workmen crazy saying, we cannot lose this door frame. We cannot lose this piece because we've seen our kids grow up as they put their back to this. And so we told that to the workmen so many times, I thought they were going to get really frustrated with us, but I was more afraid for their safety at what my wife would do to them should they lose that particular part of the doorframe. It's now safely embedded in a wall and with it all those memories. So there are sometimes that I read the Bible and I read parts of Scripture that I feel like I need to back up against them and, and put my back against them just to see how much I've grown and it's never quite as much as I think or would have hoped. And one such passage is Romans chapter 12, 9, 10, and 11. Let me just read this for you. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So as I read this passage uh, several weeks ago for the first time doing my pre-study, I found myself going to all these different translations just to see how they would, would translate these phrases and these words. And I found myself going, oh, I really like the way this translation does this sentence and this translation does this sentence. And well, if I were to translate it, I would do it this way. And so I found myself putting together a hodgepodge paraphrase of Romans chapter 12, verses 9, 10, 11, and 12. Um, in fact, just as a side note, the word hodgepodge comes from an old Anglo-French word, hokey pot. It means a stew. And after saying hokey pot, that, that word just kind of changed into hodgepodge. So I know I'm mixing my metaphors here, but in a way, looking at this passage, we put our back up to it, we measure it, but also this passage is a bit of a meal. It's a stew. It's a mixture of all these different things that have come together. So. Here's my hodgepodge paraphrase of Romans 12. And by the way, I don't mind mixing my metaphors, whether we're talking about measurements or meals. Isn't meals how we grow over the long term? So as we measure ourselves against these words, let's also feast on them just a bit. This is Romans 12, my hodgepodge paraphrase. Don't just pretend to love people. You don't have to fake it. Really love. Run for dear life from evil, hold on to dear life to good. Love each other as siblings should. Let credit be something you give, not something you seek. Don't burn out, but keep yourself fueled and aflamed, serving only Jesus. When you get down, look up. Just because the world is troubled doesn't mean that you have to be. Let all of life's pressures lead you to a life of prayer. 
Now, we are talking about prayer in our teaching series on amen, and we're going to get to that last line here in just a moment. Let all of life's pressures lead you to a life of prayer. What a great opportunity we have to pray. But I, I want to slow walk through this passage again to measure ourselves against some of these things, to see how much we're growing, if we're growing, if we're in fact moving in the opposite direction. And maybe it's also a meal that we feast on this morning. And by so doing, we actually grow. Don't just pretend to love people. You don't have to fake it. Really love. What do we not understand about the two great commandments that Jesus gave us? That all of life's energy, all of life's efforts, all of life's endeavors should be about learning to love God more and learning to love people better and better and better as we get older. I appreciate what C.S. Lewis has written so many times over the years. He talks about, in his own life, the unconverted places. Now, this will challenge our view of conversion because we think, well, we come to Christ and we are converted. Well, parts of us are converted, but other parts of us are not yet converted. And sometimes we run up against those as we deal with other people. We meet somebody, we respond in hatred. We meet somebody, we respond in judgment. We meet somebody and they get on our nerves. And when other people get to us, we have just met an unconverted place in our life, a place where the gospel has yet to fully take hold. And so as we meet those unconverted places, what do we do? We ask God to convert them. I think many of those unconverted places is how we deal and how we love people. Just a couple of things. We need to be more concerned with people's souls than we are their actions. We let their actions get in the way. We are always more concerned with their souls than their actions. And there will be people in your world and in your life who will try everything they can think of to make you not love them. What have I often said? Love them anyway. Don't just pretend to love people. You don't have to fake it. Really love them. Love's not an emotion, it's a decision to will and to work towards somebody's best interest. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on to dear life for good. So let's talk about attitude here for just a moment. And I'm going to give you an equation. There are two things added together that will equal your attitude. First is attention. Just think about so much of our attitude in life depends on what we pay attention to. There is a world around us of good and bad. If we focus just on the evil just on the bad. Oh, listen, you'll be negative in in no time. You've probably seen that bumper sticker that says, if you're not enraged, you're not paying attention. I would say, if you're always enraged, you're paying attention to the wrong things. What we pay attention to will determine our attitude. I know I've kind of been down on social media here lately, but let me put this in, that sometimes we follow people on social media that we would not let in our house. We would not let them come into our living room and say some of the things that they say on social media. So if we wouldn't let them in our house, why would we let them in our head? Why would we allow them access to our hearts? So much of attitude is about what you pay attention to. But get this, not only is it attention, but it's also interpretation. We pay attention to the good and bad in the world, but what we tell ourselves about that, interpretation, makes a big difference. If we say, boy, the world's just getting worse and worse, that's our interpretation. Or if we say, I don't know what is happening. 
But God has this world in his hands, and I trust him no matter what I see on the outside. This is called hope. So I hope you capture this simple equation that intention plus interpretation equals attitude. What are you paying attention to? And what are you telling yourself about the things you see? Those two things added together will produce your attitude, and we all need to make some decisions about that. To run from dear life, to run for dear life from evil, and to hold on to dear life to good. Love each other as siblings should. This is a command here to the church. By the way, I told my kids as they were growing up, as we would measure them against that wall, that one day they would be best friends growing up and my kids would rebel. There would be moaning and weeping and gnashing of teeth. No, we'll never be friends when we grow up. And now I get to say, I told you so. We need to remind one another that we not only are friends, we are family as a part of our faith community. And a part of growing in faith is growing to love one another and growing to be patient with one another. Churches are funny places. You know what? Some of the most difficult people in the church have been the result of my greatest spiritual growth. That's true of all of us. My encouragement is, don't be in a church with everyone who's just like you. You'll never grow. But if we're in a church with people of different ages, different backgrounds, different attitudes, different uh, conclusions about things, we might just grow. It's in that friction that grinds the edge of our character. Don't just pretend to love people. You don't have to fake it. Really love. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Love each other as siblings should. Let credit be something that you give, not something you seek. You know what? It's good to honor other people. In a world that everyone's thinking about themselves, if you are thinking about others, you're an outlier. You're different. Don't burn out, but keep yourself fueled and aflame. I want to talk about this for just a moment because we live in a world where most everyone is just tired. And I hope you don't mind. I'm probably going to use this story on October 30th. Have I reminded you I need you to be here and I need you to be on time that morning? There's something about our world where everyone is tired. And the story goes of horses. When you take horses across the desert, and if you're a horse owner, you know this, you can see the horse getting weaker and weaker and weaker, and you know how far to push that horse before damage is done, and you'll stop and you'll let them rest, and you'll give them water, and you'll give them food. But camels, when they trek across a desert, their strength is actually their weakness. They can keep going no matter what. You can't tell if they're getting worn down. You can't tell when they're getting exhausted. You can't tell when they're tired. And a camel will literally take the last step possible and fall over dead. That's many of us. We have been living in a world of political polarization and anger. We've lived in a world where everyone is judging one another all the time. If you say the wrong word, we'll cancel you. We're living in a world where we have survived a pandemic and people's reserves are just gone. Part of what we're going to talk about on October 30th is if your reserves are at zero, if you've got nothing left to give and you feel like one more step, you're going to drop over. We need to listen to the Lord and we need to refuel 
so that we can be ignited in zeal for the Lord. And not let the world suck it out of us, but to bring strength to our living. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled in the flame, serving only Jesus. When you get down, look up. This is kind of the first hint that, that Paul is going to take people as we, as we feast on this, as we try to measure up. He's going to start taking us to this place of prayer. When you get down, look up. And just because the world is troubled doesn't mean that you have to be. I love that line. Here's a story that I wouldn't have believed were it not well noted and footnoted. William Rankin bailed out of his failing jet in 1959 right into the middle of a thunderstorm. And as he fell, this thunderstorm began to pick him up and move him around. Here's what he writes. He's actually falling, falling within this thunderstorm. The currents would pick him up and push him back up into the atmosphere. I saw lightning all around me, every shape imaginable. When very close, it appeared mainly as a huge bluish sheet, several feet thick, sometimes sticking close to me in pairs like the blades of a scissor. This is lightning that's striking around him. It was raining so torrentially that I thought I would drown midair. Several times I had to hold my breath, fearing that otherwise I might inhale several quarts of water. How silly, I thought. They're going to find me hanging from some tree in my parachute harness with my lungs filled with water, wondering how on earth I drowned. Well, the storm cloud tossed him around, get this, for 45 minutes. And it dropped him down 60 miles from where he bailed from his jet. You know what, that's a picture sometimes of our world. It's just bouncing us around. There's sheets of lightning. There's torrents of storm happening around us. My encouragement to us, a couple of things. Relax. There's nothing we can do. If we're in the middle of the storm, there is no control. And the other thing is maybe we should enjoy the ride a little bit. Just because the world is troubled doesn't mean that we have to be. And could it be that Jesus has put you right here, right now, in this place in history so that you'll seek and find him and that you will live successfully during these days of stress? I think so. Just because the world is troubled doesn't mean that you have to be. And then Paul gets to that last line which I think is really one of the best teachings of prayer that I could ever offer you. Let all of life's pressures lead you to a life of prayer. Would you hear that today? We don't need the reminders to pray. We have it built in all around us. Whenever we experience life's pressures, it becomes a, an opportunity for us to pray. But where do many of us go? Just think about what we do instead of praying. And I can think of three things. First, we worry it was E. Stanley Jones who said, worry is atheism. He's exactly right. That anytime I'm consumed with worry, I think that I've got to fix it. I've got to control it. I've got to manage the situation. Instead of saying, you know what? The world is God's. The universe is his. I'm going to let him keep doing what he is supposed to do. And I'm going to figure out what I'm supposed to do in the middle of this. Worry is atheism. Instead of letting life's pressures lead you to worry, let life's pressures lead you to a life of prayer. Another thing we often do, and we see this all the time, people surrender to addiction. It was Carl Jung who said, every addiction is a misplaced prayer. Do you hear that? Every addiction 
is a misplaced prayer. We're hoping in a substance to give us strength. We're hoping in a substance that it will give us freedom. We're hoping in substance that that will bring us happiness. And so I thought it's always been a little bit funny, and it sounds a little bit archaic to our modern ears. When you read Ephesians 5, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And we kind of wink and smile at that. But he lived in a day where it was easy for people to get drunk, but instead the harder thing is to trust in God, to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, who and what we put inside of us will make all the difference. And instead of trusting in a substance, we trust in the Spirit to help us relax, to help us not fight the world or not uh, fear the world, but just to face the world, whatever comes our way. So what do we do instead of prayer? We are to let life's pressures lead us to a life of prayer. Well, we we worry, we surrender to addiction. The other thing we do is we, we criticize. We feel like the world is attacking us. It's so easy to start attacking other people. Oswald Chambers says this, God never gives us discernment in order that we might criticize, but that we might intercede. If you feel like God has given you special insight into a situation, He never gives us these moments of clarity, these ideas of wisdom. He never gives it to us so that we can attack other people, but so that we can intercede. So if God has given you clarity about something, instead of criticizing, instead of attacking, pray. Let all of life's pressures lead you to a life of prayer. I'm sure there's other substitutes that we put in prayer's place, and, and probably some of you could think of those. But just with these, worry, addiction, criticism, to stop, to talk to God, to let life's pressures lead us to a lifestyle of prayer. So I use an illustration once a year. Um, it is actually my favorite story, my favorite illustration of all times, and I'm very careful about when I use it, and I will probably use it every year until I'm dead or retired. So if you've heard this before, please bear with it, but also maybe if you've heard it before, you might actually hear it for the first time. An old Cherokee is walking down New York, New York City Street with his friend. There's traffic buzzing, people bustling. And this old Cherokee, he turns to his friend and says, I, I hear a cricket. And the New Yorker says, you don't hear a cricket. There's traffic. There's people. No way you hear a cricket. He goes, I hear a cricket. He goes, that's impossible. Old Cherokee said, no, it's not impossible. He reached into his pocket and took a handful of change, quarters, nickels, dimes, pennies, launched them into the air. And as the change began to ping on the pavement, every head within a block turned to look. He said, it's not impossible. It just depends on what you've trained yourself to listen for. And they crossed the street at the end of the corner, looked in a planter, and there was a cricket. Who are you listening to today? Who are you paying attention today? And how do you interpret what you're paying attention to? Remember, your attention plus your interpretation will equal your attitude. So would you listen to this? Don't pretend to love people. You don't have to fake it. Really love. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. 
love each other as siblings should. Give credit where credit's due. Let credit be something you give, not something you seek. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflamed, serving only Jesus. When you get down, look up. Just because the world is troubled doesn't mean that you have to be. And let life's pressures lead you to a life of prayer. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace now and forever. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.